Hey, this is Julie Mullins, co-senior pastor here at Christ Fellowship Church right here in South Florida. Whether you're across the street or across the world, thank you for taking time out of your busy week to join us for this message. We hope that it encourages you and inspires you to get more out of life. He's working all things, all things together for our good. I want to welcome everybody joining us today at all of our Christ Fellowship locations, everybody joining us online today. A big welcome to the men and women of the United States Armed Forces. Join in with us. We love you. And I am so excited about this series that we're kicking off because it's really stepping us into a season that I believe that God is going to shape and change your life to the point that in a few months from now, you're going to see the handiwork of God in your life and you're going to go, wow, God, you changed that in me. You did this in my life. Yeah. As we lean into this season together, we're kicking off a series called Formed and it's all about uh, God shaping our lives to look more and more like Jesus, which is the goal, right? We, we want him to, to shape us and form us and make us to look more like our savior, Jesus Christ. And, and our key verse for this series is uh, Romans 8.29, but right before Romans 8.29 is Romans 8.28. And many of us know Romans 8.28, we just sang Romans 8.28. Let, let, me, let me read this to you. And we know that God causes What's that word? Everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. It's important to understand what for the good is. It's not necessarily what you might call good or think is good right off the top of your head, but God says, I'm gonna work everything together for the good of my people who love me and are called according to his purpose. Now, the next verse tells us what for the good is. It's important to read scripture in context. If you don't read scripture in context, you miss the context of what God is trying to say. And so in verse 29, he goes on to say, because here's what it is. God knew what he was doing from the very beginning. He decided from the outset, look at that, to shape the lives of those who love him along the same lines as the life of his son. We see the original and intended shape for our lives right there in him, in Jesus. So he's talking about this process of becoming more like Jesus. That is the good in your life that he's gonna do. And he'll use everything in your life to work that out in your life. This is the essence of our Christian faith, becoming more like Jesus. Now there are a lot of people who claim to be Christian. In fact, in America alone, 65% of Americans claim to be Christians. Just put that into perspective of the place you work, right? I don't think so. Of course, where I work, I hope so, right? But <laughs> over two billion people in the world claim to be Christians, but what does that mean? Does that mean that they're following the teachings of Christ and allowing God to shape and make them into who they need to be? The word Christian is only used three times in the New Testament. Uh, and the first time it's used is in Acts chapter 11 where it says they were first called Christians in this town called Antioch. And the reason they were first called Christians there is because they were following the teachings of Christ. In fact, the word Christian means little Christ. So when you claim to be a Christian, you are claiming to be a little Christ. Let that sink in for a minute. 
How'd you treat your wife this week? I'm just saying. They weren't called Christians because they went to a church. In fact, there was no church building necessarily to go into at the time. They weren't called Christians because they had been raised in a Christian family or prayed a prayer at the end of Paul's message and raised their hand. No, no, no. They were Christians because they were following the way of Jesus and his teachings. They were learning of him. In fact, in the New Testament, the followers of Jesus were called disciples. So that term disciple, it wasn't just reserved for the first 12 guys. If you were a follower of Jesus, you were a disciple of Jesus. Now, now in the original Greek language, the word for disciple is matites. And matites means follower, it means student, apprentice. It has less to do about the transfer of information and more to do about the application of that information that's gonna lead to transformation. It's about changing us on the inside. Uh, a matites, a, a disciple would follow his teacher so closely to pick up on his mannerisms, his nuances, his preferences, because he, he wanted to model his life after his rabbi, after his, his teacher. What's denoted in this word is a very deep connection between the student and the teacher. It wasn't a casual relationship, like whenever it's convenient. It wasn't a formal relationship like between a student and a university professor, right? That you got to set up a meeting to go see and talk with. No, no, no. They they would spend days and days together and evenings together and eating meals together. So much so that, that, that they would become like their teacher. That's what it means to follow Jesus. Now, as we jump into this series over these next several weeks, as your pastor, I want you to hear my heart. Um, This is not so much about what you need to do, but more about your who. This is more about who you are and who you are becoming and who God wants to make you than just giving you something else to do because dear God, none of us need more to do. In fact, if we just focus on the who, then the do is gonna flow out of the who. Religion puts the do in front of the who. You've got to do all these things in order to be like God or please God or or do the right things. And they put the do out in front and many of you have tripped up on the do. Let's focus on the who. Let's focus on who Jesus is. Let's focus on what it means to be with him, what it means to follow in his footsteps. And man, if you just focus on that who, all the do is going to work out. So as we start today, I want to look at a passage of scripture, the very first calling of the very first disciples, the very first followers of Jesus. And it's in Matthew chapter four, verse 18. It says, while Jesus was walking by the sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon that we know as Peter and Andrew, his brother, and they were casting nets into the sea for they were fishermen. And he said to them, why don't you say this with me out loud wherever you are today, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me, Jesus said, and I, and I will make you. You're, you're not there yet, but I'll make you. I'm gonna make something amazing in your life that you have no idea, but, but you, gotta, you gotta follow me and I will make you. You're not where you need to be, you're not how you need to be, but keep following me and I'm gonna make you. Thank God we get to come to Jesus just as we are and that Jesus loves you 
just as you are. But can I tell you, he doesn't want you to stay just as you are. He wants to change you. He wants to shape you. He wants to change your thinking and your priorities and your alignment, even your personality. He wants to shape it into the image of Jesus Christ as you follow him. So he calls out and he says, come follow me, which requires some action, requires some movement, requires you to get up and follow Jesus. One version of that verse says, follow me and I will turn you into fishers of people. You know, God wants to turn you into something that you are not yet. He, he wants to turn you into a man of prayer. He wants to turn you into a woman of faith. He wants to turn you into a, a young person, a student that actually is prophesying over their generation. He wants to, you may not be that today, but he, the Bible says he wants to turn you into that. He wants to help you to become something that you are not yet. You may be lacking vision or direction in your life. He wants to turn you into a person with clarity and discernment and a person of great vision that knows what God is saying and what you're supposed to do to the point that the people around you know what they're supposed to do because they're around you. See, he wants, he wants to change you in such a way that your latter life looks nothing like your former life. To the point that when you see somebody that maybe hasn't seen you for a couple years, <laughs> they're like, they don't even recognize you. They're like, what happened, yeah. right? To the point that when you look at yourself in the mirror, you don't even recognize you. Yeah. Because God is in the process of making you, turning you into something better. The message version of that verse in Matthew 4 says this. He says, come with me and I will make a new kind of fisherman out of you. God wants to make a new kind of person out of you. He wants, he wants, to, he wants to take something that's hidden on the inside of you and, and bring it out like an, like an artist can take a, a piece of wood or a stone and it doesn't have much shape or any value, but man, he starts working at it and chipping at it and chiseling at the wood and all of a sudden it starts taking on shape. It starts taking on value. It starts taking on purpose in the hands of the artist. Some of you don't even realize the great value that God has put in your life because you have not fully put your hand into the hand of the artist, the master designer, to create a masterpiece. But when you put your life into his hands, man, he's gonna shape you and form you and make you into something that you can't even imagine right now. Because on, on that day when Peter and Andrew were on the Sea of Galilee in their boat and Jesus invites them on this, this journey, Jesus could already see what was on the inside of them because he had put it there. So he, he knew what was, was there. So that day, um, before Peter ever got out of his boat, Jesus could see what was on the inside of Peter. Like he saw he was the hot-headed, spouting off guy. You know, not thinking about what he was gonna say and just blah, saying it. He was a guy cutting off people's ears. He could see all that. But he could also see that he was the one that was gonna stand up on the day of Pentecost and preach the message that would launch the church of Jesus Christ. He saw that he would be the ones that would stand up against the Pharisees and the Sadducees when they told him to be silent about teaching about Jesus. And he said, am I gonna obey you or am I gonna obey God? He saw him that be the one that would get out of the boat and try to walk on water. He saw that he would be the one that, that God would use in a powerful way. He saw that in his life. He saw that Peter was gonna be the one 
that would walk up to the gate called Beautiful and grab a lame man that had been sitting there for years, decades probably, and pick them up and said, silver and gold, I do not have, but what I have, I give to you, and in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. Now, Peter wasn't that. That day, sitting in the boat, he had to get out of the boat, and he had to follow Jesus, and he had to let Jesus turn him into that. And the same is true with you and me. We cannot expect to stay where we are, how we are, and become who God has created us to be what he wants to turn us into, what the master artist has designed for our life. He says, come, he says to you today and me, come and follow me and I will make you. Can I tell you that God is in the business of making people? And he does not grow tired of it. You go all the way back to Genesis. Genesis chapter 12, God says to Abraham, he says, I'm gonna make you into a great nation. I'm gonna make you a blessing to people. I'm gonna make your name so blessed. Abraham, right now, nobody knows you. Nobody knows you except Sarah. And her name's not even Sarah now, it's Sarai. And, uh, but, but if you follow me, if you do what I say, I'm getting ready to do something amazing in you, but I gotta make you. And so I'm gonna call you out of what you're comfortable in. I'm gonna call you out of your people and your homeland and everything that you know, and I'm gonna force you into this place that is awkward and difficult and at many times, most of the time, uncomfortable. But in the process, you're gonna hear my voice and you're not gonna be distracted. And I felt like when I was preparing this part of the message that God said, Todd, there are people in your church right now who I wanna make them into something great but they gotta follow me, they gotta get out of what's comfortable. By nature, we retreat to what is comfortable. By nature, we retreat to the place where we're not being pushed or or forced out of our comfort zone or having to deal with something that people even that we don't wanna deal with and we just kinda push them away and we put up our guards and defenses and God says, I'm using all of that to make you what I wanna make you. There's a passage of scripture that I've been contemplating for the last couple weeks found in uh, Jeremiah that gives us a clear picture of what God wants to do in our lives. And it says this in Jeremiah 18, verse two. He says, the Lord said to Jeremiah, go down to the potter's house and there I will give you my message. So so let me just pause and say that uh, God was saying, Jeremiah, I wanna give you a spiritual truth. Uh, I want you to understand something, but to understand it, I'm gonna actually give you a picture in the natural of what I wanna do in the supernatural. So that's what this is all about. So I went down to the potter's house and I saw him working at the wheel, but the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands, meaning it was ruined. So the potter formed into another pot, shaping it as seemed best to him. See, the potter knows what seems best to him. He shaped it into what was right in his eyes. And then in verse five, then the word of the Lord came to me and he said, can I not do with you, Israel, my people, as this potter does, declares the Lord. Like clay in the hands of the potter, so are you in my hands. Um, I've asked Jerry to help me with this illustration today. Jerry's an artist and she's gonna be working with clay and shaping a few things here. In fact, Julie and I, actually we took a, uh, a, a pottery class last week. Yeah, I wasn't as good as Jerry. My first bowl fell apart and turned into an ashtray and I don't smoke, so uh, there's that. 
But while we were there, uh, the, the teacher taught us a couple things. He said, it's really important that uh, you start off by getting the clay centered on the wheel. If you don't get the clay centered on the wheel, uh, the clay is gonna be wobbly, shaky, uh, impossible to work with. So, so get it shaped on the wheel. And I realized that in the same way, our lives need to be centered on Jesus. And if they're not centered on Jesus, they're, they're wobbly and shaky and hard for God to do his full work in our lives. And in fact, through the class, the instructor kept coming back to me and saying, Todd, you've got you've to uh, get it centered. It's not quite centered. You got to get it centered. It's, it's not quite centered. And I realized that, that we need people in our lives that are constantly telling us, hey, Todd, get it centered. Stay centered on Jesus. The second uh, lesson I learned was it took a lot of pressure to shape the clay. That at times I had to put my full weight onto the clay to shape it and mold it and press it to turn it into something besides a lump of clay. In fact, throughout the whole process, it's the pressure from the potter that actually makes the clay pliable and allows it to become what it needs to be. And I realized that some of the things that we think are pressing in on us or crushing us, that we're under the weight of, and we're like, God, get me out from under this. He's like, no, no, I'm actually using it to shape your life because I take all things and work all things together to help you be who you're supposed to be. The third thing I, I realized uh, the hard way is sometimes you, the clay gets dry and it starts to rip apart. And, um, and actually in that moment when I was making my bowl, the first bowl I was making that turned into an ashtray, um, I was so proud because my bowl was so much better than Julie's bowl. <laughs> yeah, well, it, everything's a competition between us. So I was like, ah, yeah, yeah. and then it all fell apart and I was so upset. And then but the, the instructor came over and began to, to put it all back together again. He said, it's okay, you can just kind of smash it all in and we'll work it back and we get to start over again. And I realized that for some of us, um, that's what God's done in our life. He's taken those misshaped mistakes and he started over again, but, but we're like, man, why am I so far behind? I thought by now I would be further along. Could it just be that you are experiencing the grace of God demonstrated in your life by a fresh start in God? In Jeremiah, in that verse, it says, um, so the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as he seemed best. Can I tell you the potter has a plan? There, there, is a, there is a mission for what he's making in your life. Remember, we're talking about the process of God making you. And the Bible says that God has good intentions towards you. Good intentions. What are my intentions? It declares the Lord to give you a hope and a future. And the Bible says that the intentions of God, the thoughts of God towards you are as numerous as the sand on the seashore. And they're good thoughts that he has towards you. See, the potter has a singular purpose, to take a lump of clay and turn it into something that is valuable and useful, to turn it into a masterpiece. It's reminded of Ephesians chapter two, verse 10, where it says, for we are God's masterpiece. We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared in advance so that we could walk in them. Now, let me just make sure you understand. The good works that Paul's referring to here are not works you do that are good to get you into heaven, to make you right with God. People have taught that you have to do certain things to get right with God. No, 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 Jesus did everything that was needed to make us right with God. You have to personally accept it, but you don't have to perform to be right with God. 
The good works that Paul's talking about here are the, 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 the assignments that God has got your name on, things that you've been created to do, assignments that, that you have uh, on your life and that if you don't do them, they won't happen. So I think about Ray Megason up at our Jupiter campus. Ray, there's assignments with your name on it. Louise and Adrian up uh, out in Belle Glade, there's things that God has for you to do that he's waiting on you to do and you're doing it. Like you're stepping into your God-given assignment. Joy Lee's up in Vero, there's things with your name on it. I could go campus to campus, Dora down at Boynton Beach. God has assignments with your name on it, things that he wants you to do. And until you do those things, there's this void. Something's missing in our life. Which is why so many people walk through life completely unfulfilled. See, the sooner you allow God to do his work in you, the sooner he can do his work through you. But before the clay can ever get on the wheel into the hands of the potter, <clears throat> the potter has to go out and uh, dig up the clay. He's gotta to go to the place where the clay is its environment, where it has been lodged in, and he has to use something like this to dig it up. He has to remove it from its, it could be in a riverbed, could be on a mountainside, out in a field, but he's gotta work it out of the ground that it's in so that it eventually can get to the potter's wheel. And can I tell you that the, the digging up process uh, is actually sometimes a very painful process because we've become comfortable where we are. We've been comfortable uh, in, in what we've built around our lives, but, but the potter can't make it into what it needs to be out in the field or in the riverbed. It's gotta be pulled out of that place. And some of you right now, you're in the process of the Holy Spirit has come to dig you up out of the things you've gotten embedded into, to remove you from your maybe complacency, place of sin. Maybe it's just um, an attitude of compromise. And he's like, I wanna, I wanna get you out of that so that you can be shaped into what you need to become. He's like, I wanna, I wanna do more with your life, but I can't do it there. I can't do it in that place, in, in, that, in that sin or in that lifestyle or around those people that are pulling you away from what I have for you. And so the potter's gonna come and, and dig you up. Let him dig you up. Let him remove you from those things that are gonna keep you from becoming who you've gotta become. But even after the potter digs the clay up from the ground, it's still not in a place to be, uh, to be on the potter's wheel just yet because it looks something like this. Can you see that? Get a close up. Can you see that little nasty thing? This is what we look like when he digs us up. It's got twigs and debris and stones all wedged up in there. For many of us, when, when the potter, God, pulls our life up, we still have the residue of where we've been all in our life. We've got little pebbles and rocks of unforgiveness, hurt, things that happen to us. We've got, we've got twigs of um, selfishness or pride. We have uh, debris in there that's just come because of the world that we live in. And so the potter, to get us ready to get on the wheel, to get shaped, he's gonna work to, to clean us up. And what a potter would do is he would take some clay like this and he would put it into water because the water begins to soften the clay and makes it pliable so that the, the stones and the rocks and the twigs can, can work their way out. And as I was thinking about that, my mind went to a verse in Ephesians chapter five that says, we are cleansed by the washing of the word. 
And just like this clay comes in contact with the water, it becomes pliable in the hands of the potter. When you and I come in contact with the word of God that is living and active, we become pliable in the hands of God. He begins to do his work on us and he can wedge those things out because the spirit of God is working through his word, through the word of God. That's why when you come into church on Sundays and, and, uh, and through the word of God being declared in song or through a sermon or a prayer, it's like you're going, man, it just seems like Todd was talking right at me. That's the spirit of God using the power of his word which is why you wanna be here in this place to hear his voice. Not every third Sunday, every, you wanna be here and you don't wanna get in the word just on Sunday. Dear God, you wanna get in the word every day, which is why we're, we're constantly encouraging you, get in the word, get in the word. Just like you need to be cleansed every day, right? All the parents of middle school boys said amen. You need to get in the shower every day, you know what I'm saying? Just like you and I need to be cleaned up every day. Spiritually, we need the word of God to, to wash over us. And maybe uh, you thought, well, Todd, it's kind of hard to understand the word of God. Like there's times I've tried and I just get into it and I don't really know, um, I don't know what to do with it. And uh, I would encourage you a couple things. One is uh, uh, get a version that you can read that you understand. Don't be reading a version that came from the Queen's England back in 1500. Get something that you understand. I, I mostly read from the NIV, New International Version, or NLT, New Living Translation, when I'm just reading to kind of study and, and read through the Bible. Get something you know. Second thing I would encourage you to do is get into a class. We've got classes and groups that are starting up and, and you, need to, you need some external motivation and accountability to help you grow in understanding of the word, amen? And so when those come up, don't go, well, I don't know if I'm gonna do it or not. Do it, you need it. We all need it, I need it. And, and side note, some of you actually need to help be the somebody that's gonna help your spiritual brothers and sisters become who God created them to be. Somebody's gotta help them get in the water and understand who it is. And some of you have been walking with Jesus for so long, you can't even count it on two hands and you're still not pouring into anybody else yet. Paul would say, come on, grow up, help somebody else become who God created them to be. We can do that, amen? Now I don't have, um, I don't have time to walk through the whole, I did a lot of study on clay last couple of weeks. The potter puts this mess into a bucket of water, sits there for a long time till it almost becomes like this just muddy texture, pulls all the things out of it that, that's bad, stomps it on the ground, lets it dry out, and then forms it maybe into something that looks like, like this, it's, it's clean, and you would think by now it's ready to go on the potter's wheel. No. He actually takes this and now puts it in a shelf, in a closet for six to eight months where it just has to sit there. And while it's sitting there, it doesn't look like much is happening to it. But the truth is there's a bacteria that's working through the clay that actually makes the clay stronger and more flexible. It's in this season of waiting that the strength and plasticity, the usability of the clay comes into play. So you may be thinking, okay, God, you got me all cleaned up. I'm ready. And he's like, no, you're not. Use me, Lord. And he's like, well, I will, but not yet. You think you've been forgotten. You haven't been forgotten. God's just getting ready to do some, he's getting you ready for what he's ready to do through you, but it's gonna take a little bit of time. Don't resist what God is doing in your life. Let the Holy Spirit work through you. 
Let the Holy Spirit work his way in you, allowing you to be flexible to the Holy Spirit, allowing you to be strong in your faith and strong in the person that God has created you to be so that when the time comes where God goes, okay, it's time. Sean, it's time. Cindy, it's time. It's time, I'm ready. You're ready for everything he's gonna do in your life. So what do we do with this message? I would, uh, I would give you two challenges today. In fact, they are uh, two choices that you and I have to make in order to stay flexible and be shaped by God. The first one is you've got to stay on the wheel. Stay on the wheel. Stay in the process. Too many Christians are hopping off the wheel. Gets a little bit, a little pressure from the Holy Spirit. A little bit of something I don't like. Hop off the wheel. Somebody does something, hop off the wheel. God, I can't believe you let that happen to me. Hop off the wheel. In fact, some of y'all have gotten really good of hopping on the wheel and off the wheel. We come in on Sundays and we hop on the wheel. Shape me, mold me, canvas in the clay. Woo, God. And then Monday morning, we hop off that wheel. While we're going to work on I-95, we get into the work and we're fussing and cussing with our coworkers. God wants you to stay on the wheel Monday. In fact, God will actually use your workers, your coworkers, that person to shape you. We hop off the wheel on Wednesday. We hop off the wheel on Friday night. No, 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 Friday night, get back on the wheel. Stay on the wheel Friday and Saturday night. Get on the wheel. Stay in that place where God is shaping you and molding you and making you. Sometimes on the wheel, he actually has to use uh, something to cut away parts of the pot that's been misshaped. My, my, my second pot, which was a little bit nicer than my ashtray, uh, near the very end, I was so proud, but it was starting to get all jacked up on one side. And it was looking like a Picasso vase or something. Like it was like, uh, and, and I thought, oh, I gotta start over. He goes, no, he came over while, the, while it was spinning, while it was on the wheel, he took a blade and he just cut off that part that was out of shape, that was misshaped. He cut it away and all of a sudden it was perfect again. You gotta allow God to cut away those things in your life that don't look like Jesus. Those attitudes that you've been, um, well, I'm just that on the Enneagram and I'm just this and I'm just all that. And we just justify carnality. How about we let the Holy Spirit sanctify us and shape us in this process? And so when he needs to cut something away, can I tell you it is painful? I tell you from personal experience, from the Holy Spirit, says, Todd, that attitude, that, um, that thing that you've been fostering and allowing to grow is like this growth on the side and it's gotta be cut away because it's not, it's not in the image of Jesus. Let him, let him cut it away. Let him shape you. Some of you are in the digging up process and he's trying to remove you from places and spaces and influences that are pulling you away from God. I'm not talking about getting out of your marriage. I'm not talking about, but you, you've allowed certain things certain habits, certain addictions, certain things you've normalized. And he's like, I need to get you out of that place so that I can get you ready to get on the wheel. Wherever you are in the process, let me encourage you, stay with it, stay on the wheel. The second challenge I have for you is to stay in the word. We're gonna stay on the wheel and we're gonna stay in the word because remember, we're washed by the word. The word is what makes us pliable in the hands of the potter. This word is a lamp for our feet. It helps us to know which way to go. It's, it's God breathed, Holy Spirit inspired, divine word of God 
for your life. And when you are in this word, this word gets in you. When you're in this word, you are in and abiding in Christ because it says in John chapter one, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, talking about Jesus. So get in this word, stay in this word. And let me just encourage you because we have people on all different spectrums of their spiritual journey with Christ in our church. Start where you are. Like if you don't have a rhythm of getting in the word, don't start tomorrow with a two hour Bible study. You won't make it, I promise, right? Start where you are. So if you have no rhythm, uh, just take a verse. Could be the verse that we read out of Romans 8.29 or a verse out of the Jeremiah passage. And this week, write it out, tape it to your computer, to your mirror, meditate on it, think about it, process it, one verse all week long. Next week, pick a second verse. We have verses online that you can pick through our, on our website, the discipleship tools that'll help you, but just pick something and start where you are. If you have a, a discipline, maybe you do it, but it's a little sporadic, put some, some, some things around you that will build accountability, like getting in that class or getting with somebody and saying, hey, would you hold me accountable to my spiritual formation and growth in this season because I wanna be shaped in the nature of Jesus Christ. Stay on the wheel, stay in the word. When I go back to the story of the calling of those early disciples on the Sea of Galilee that day, Jesus said, um, follow me and I will make you. And it says immediately they left their boats and their fish and the nets, they left it all there and they followed Jesus. They didn't know where the journey was gonna take them they didn't know what was gonna be required of them, but what did they do? They got up and they followed Jesus. And as I was praying for our church, for you, with this message, I felt like the Lord said, Todd, it's time. There's some people that have been just staying in their boat, staying with what's comfortable, and they're not following me out of the boat so I can never shape them and make them into what they need to be. Can I tell you, it's time for you to get up. Follow Jesus. Some of you have been coming to church and been around here for a while. It's time for you to get up and follow Jesus. Let him shape you, let him make you into something that you in your own sight could never see or imagine, but he will shape you and make you into a masterpiece if you let him. So I'm asking you in this season, over these next several weeks as we are in this series and coming out of this series with the classes and the Bible studies, that, that you lean into it with Julie and me. And you say, okay, Todd, I don't want this season to pass me by. I want this season to mark my life. I want the potter's hand and his imprint in my life to mark me in this season so that I can be everything he's created me to be. I'm gonna give you a moment of silent prayer and reflection right where you're seated before I pray a couple prayers for us today. Um, and in that moment of silence, I just want you to ask the Holy Spirit what it is that he's been maybe pressing in on today something he needs to cut away. And I just want you to have a conversation with him. And then in a moment, I'll lead us through a time of prayer together. Would you bow your heads and take this moment together? Just tell him what it is that you, you know he needs to cut away. Or maybe he's trying to dig you out of a certain area or place in your life and you need to just say, Lord, I surrender. Maybe you've been hopping on and off the wheel and he's saying, uh, today you need to stay centered on me. And what are you gonna do to actually stay centered? More than just praying a prayer right now, what are you gonna do coming out of this to say, Lord, I'm gonna center my life on you. I'm gonna not run away when, when the pressures of life or the things of life start pressing in on me. 
Jesus, we thank you for your word. And we thank you that, Lord, it teaches us who we are and who we are becoming and how to get there. And I pray that each and every one of us, Lord, would allow you to shape our lives into the image of Jesus Christ and use whatever you need to use to make that happen, we pray. I pray that you'd speak to us individually, Holy Spirit, about those things, maybe the little stones of unforgiveness or bitterness or selfishness that have gotten wedged into our clay, into our lives, and they need to be removed. We gotta quit holding on to them so that you can shape us. As we continue to pray with every head bowed, if you're here today and you would say, Todd, I need to get my life with Jesus right. I, I know that my life with him is not where it needs to be. I'm gonna pray this last prayer. This is about you surrendering lordship of your life to Jesus. And if you would say, Todd, include me in this prayer right now, right where you are, would you raise your hand? That's it, hold it up high. You're not ashamed. You want everything that Jesus has for you, his grace and his mercy. And I want you to keep them up as we pray this prayer together, but this is your prayer, so pray it loud. Say, dear Jesus, Forgive me of all my sin for going my own way. Make me a new person from the inside out and I will follow you the best I know how for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Come on, let's thank God today for all those that made that decision for Jesus. Thank you again for spending time with us today. If you're looking to take a step in discovering the more that God has in store for you, just text the word podcast to the number 441-441 and then select the option that applies to you. And if you enjoyed this message, just make sure that you subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. A special thanks to all of you who so generously give to all that God is calling us to do together. It's really because of you that everything we do is possible. We'll see you right back here for next week's message.